Hello and welcome to the NFL Week 2 preview episode here at Lineem Up. If you missed it, we did put out a Week 1 recap episode, something different that we're doing this season on Lineem Up. But here to preview Week 2, line up all the winners, the losers, and some fantasy content here as well we have eric there and back again hello everybody thanks for coming back i i hope you guys are going to stick with us for the rest of the way through this nfl season because i think there's a lot to talk about and we're having a lot of fun putting these uh shows out for you guys yeah and we're doing it like i said doing a little bit of a different format here breaking things up maybe making the content a little bit more manageable i know sometimes the episodes last year were getting a little bit on the long side and so hopefully the listeners at home appreciate uh, the way we're sort of changing things up and you yeah, know, more content, yeah. In a way, yeah, in a weird way, you get more content. You get more yeah. content out of it. Um, but again, like I said, we're jumping straight into week two. We are recording after the Chargers and the Chiefs game, where the Chiefs were able to squeak out that victory in Arrowhead, largely because of the pick six by their rookie corner. Uh, Chargers looked really good in that game but they did not end up getting the win. And, of course, we will talk about that in more detail, Eric, in the Week 2 recap episode next week. So be on the lookout for that. But jumping into the remainder of the Week 2 schedule, and we're starting with Jets at Browns. Browns were a little bit of a surprise winner on the road in in Carolina in the first week. They welcome a Jets team that should still have Joe Flacco at quarterback, and as such, the Browns are six-point favorites. Now, six points, not a huge number, but a, a pretty sizable number nonetheless. Is that tempting you to take the Jets here, Eric? Or are you liking what you saw after the week one win from the Browns? I will admit I was tempted, but um, I'm going to roll the Browns here. I did say in our season-long prediction episode that I do think Jacoby Brissett can hold down the fort. He didn't look particularly good against the Panthers. Don't get me wrong, but I think he's definitely good enough to hold down the fort with some of his mobility and also, I mean, just handing the ball off to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I think the Browns have enough talent playing at home to take time of possession against this Jets team and kind of roll over this defense. I don't think the Jets have enough at the moment to combat this Browns team. We'll have to see if Zach Wilson, when he comes back, makes a progression. Uh, and hopefully he's healthy from that injury. But right now, I'm going to lean over the Browns here in the spread, taking the, and, and like giving away those six points and also winning straight up here. Yeah, I like the Browns as well, but I'm going, instead of focusing on the offensive side of the ball like you did, for me, the real key in this game is the defense. And we talked about it ahead of the Carolina game that the Browns obviously have a really strong defensive line led by Miles Garrett. And Carolina had a weakened offensive line in the sense that they have a couple of really young starters, Iki Aquanu, their first-round pick, at left tackle in particular. The Jets don't have young starters, but they are down their two main starting tackles in uh, Mekhi Becton and Dwayne Brown. And so with that, with them being weakened at the tackle position, I think the Browns' defensive line can really cause havoc again and make it difficult for Joe Flacco. The Jets also need to figure out a way not to have Joe Flacco throw the ball 50 times a game like he did against the Ravens. Uh, And I don't know that the Browns will make that all that easy for him. And so I'm willing to lay the points and I will take the Browns as well, both with the spread and straight up. Uh, Brendan, worth noting, has put in his picks, uh, even though he's not joining us again this week. 
He has the Jets covering, but the Browns winning. So maybe a, a bit of a low-scoring affair where Browns win by a field goal or, or a four-point win somewhere in that area, and Jets do get that cover. So we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that one to see if Brendan can prove us wrong. Now, another game between a team that lost in Week 1 and a team coming off a win in Week 1 and that is Commanders traveling to Detroit to take on the Lions. Now, the Lions, despite losing to the Eagles in Week 1, are the favorites here as they are at home, and they are laying 2.5 points to the Commanders. And interestingly enough, I'm on my own in this one. I really liked what I saw out of this Lions team, and am still not convinced by the Carson Wentz-led Commanders. And so I am gladly laying the 2.5 points. I will take jared goff over carson wentz in this one just like it happened in the draft uh, all those years ago and i'll lay the points and i'll take the lions to win both with the spread and straight up yeah i've yet to put my money where my mouth is for my support for the lions again i, I love this team it's got a lot of quality talent both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball both young young talent and and some veteran talent and I, but however i don't think that I can put my money or bet on this Lions team until I see them come out with some dominance that we kind of want from them. This is a team that fell behind early against the Philadelphia Eagles last week, and the Commanders do have enough offensive firepower to match what kind of what the Eagles did. Uh, maybe not necessarily through the rushing game like the Eagles did last week, but I think there are enough weapons on this Commanders team to kind of disorient the, disorient this Lions team. And I'll score them by uh, at least it's two and a half points that the Lions are giving up. But also, I think the Commanders are good to win straight up against this Lions team. Yeah, and you and Brendan both on the Commanders to cover and win straight up. So again, I'm in the minority here. We'll see if this plays out. Uh, you know, if it plays out like you both expect, or maybe I get proven right and get to rub it in your faces a little bit next week. But either way, I think this should be an entertaining game and definitely one where there is more offense than defense, uh, you know, big plays out of the offense instead of big plays out of the defenses. Yeah, for sure. Definitely going to be an exciting game uh, for my perspective, two up-and-coming challenging teams in the NFC. Yeah, and when was the last time you could say that a Washington-Detroit game in the NFL was exciting? Because I, <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> um, now, moving to a game that usually has been pretty exciting, especially since the arrival of one Tom Brady, and that is Buccaneers traveling to New Orleans uh, against the Saints. And the Bucks are road favorites after their week one win against the Cowboys in fairly dominant fashion, although it was a weakened Cowboys team once Dak Prescott got hurt. And the Saints are also winners in week one, coming from behind to beat the Falcons. And once again, Eric, I guess I'm just going out here on ledges this week because once again, I am the only one not only picking the Bucks straight up, but as well to cover. And so what do you see? Because I wasn't true too impressed with the Saints and the fact that they had to come from behind in that game against Atlanta. I don't know that 
if they fall behind early against Tom Brady and the Bucks, that they're going to be able to repeat that same trick. But what am I missing here that has you as well as Brendan on the Saints? Yeah, I think the simple reality is that the Saints play Tom Brady and the Buccaneers well year in and year out as a divisional rival. Last year, the last game Tom Brady played against the Saints, he got shut out 9-0. The Saints also won the other meeting in Tampa Bay last year. Uh, so the Saints basically swept the Buccaneers last year, and I think the Saints are at least good enough to cover, which is I'm taking the, the points here. But I think this is also a good opportunity for the Saints defense to step up uh, with the injury concerns coming from the Buccaneers side, particularly Chris Scott Godwin is out, Julio Jones hasn't practiced all week, uh, Leonard Fournette did come back from uh, from injury, kind of, but maybe some veteran rest days, but he also sitting out, nursing possibly a leg injury. Mike Evans is also nursing a leg injury. So I think there's a lot of questions on the receiving core. Maybe they're the same old, same old for the Buccaneers, but I think I have concerns for the offensive line still, and I'm going to put in a lot of confidence on the Saints team and their upcoming talent, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. I like what I see out of this three-headed monster from Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, and Chris Olave. I would have a lot more confidence in the Saints if Alvin Kamara was healthy. Uh, sounds like there's some whispers about him not being able to suit up. Uh, Mark Ingram was also injured. They had needed to sign Latavius Murray to come in. So the rushing game is a little in question. But uh, I still would lean toward the Saints here playing at home against the Buccaneers team and not put too much stock on what Tom Brady has on his pedigree. Yeah, worth noting that the Saints are one of very few teams that Tom Brady has a losing record against in his career. He is 4-5 and five against New Orleans. So, uh, you know, I think one way you can look at that is, oh, well, you're right, the Saints usually do play him well, and they have caused him problems, particularly since he joined the Buccaneers, and particularly in New Orleans. On the other hand, we know that Tom Brady likes to create chips on his shoulder where maybe other people don't really see them. And so maybe he's like, I want to get to 500 against the Saints. I'm going to do it right now in their building. And that's sort of what I expect. Um, who knows if that's the narrative that Tom Brady tells himself. But I like to think that the Buccaneers get this done. I like to think that Tom Brady can outplay Jameis Winston in this one and control the and overall the Bucks are going to control that game. Those injuries in the Saints running games definitely concern. As yeah, well. the, um, the biggest wild card is definitely Jameis Winston and whether he can take control of this offense. For the Saints in general, if we're just talking about as a, as a whole team, they've beaten the Buccaneers in the last seven regular season contests. The last time the Buccaneers uh, had a win against the Saints was week one of 2018, when obviously when Drew Brees was still playing. Um, so now I guess it's a new regime without Sean Payton, Jameis Winston's at the helm. Maybe it's a little different, but I think that that's why Brendan and I are leaning toward the Saints here. And Jameis was the starting quarterback, right, in that game for the Tampa Bay? I do believe so, but let me let me double check that. No, it was actually Ryan Fitzpatrick. Going, oh. off, going off for <laughs> 417 yards and four touchdowns. So maybe Jameis is the bad luck in this one after all. Oh my gosh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick even ran for 36 yards and a touchdown as well. This, Ryan Fitzpatrick had a game. Oh my gosh. All right. Fitz magic. Fitz yeah, magic. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Now, yes. And then moving on, another NFC matchup here uh, against teams that are coming in with one off a loss, one off a win, but probably not the way we expected it necessarily. 
Uh, we have Panthers at Giants. Giants coming off of that surprise win over Tennessee in Nashville. Panthers coming off a home loss to the Browns, as we previously mentioned. And I kind of just went with the hot hand here. And to me, Eric, it was twofold. It was... I think Saquon Barkley is playing better right now and the Giants are using him better than what we saw from Christian McCaffrey in week one against the Browns. And I also just have a lot more respect for what Brian Dable brings to the table, especially as an offensive play caller, than anything we've seen so far in Matt Rule's NFL coaching career. Yeah, that's definitely one of the biggest reasons why I went with the Giants here. Dable seems to be have a lot more control over this team than what Rule has had for the Panthers over the past couple of years. Uh, we've seen a lot more fire from Dable and the Giants in the first week against the Titans than we've had for a while from the Panthers. And I think this is a tough game to bet on. I mean, they're uh, what projects to be somewhere between a five to seven, maybe eight win teams. Um, so it's kind of a toss up. It's tough because it's also in New York. So I think that's one of the reasons why I'm leaning toward New York. Baker Mayfield didn't really show it against the Browns last week, and I think the Giants are good enough to hold the fort down against what Baker Mayfield has at the helm in his kind of new environment. Yeah, and any opportunity I get to pick against Baker Mayfield, I'm going to take that, at least any reasonable opportunity. Uh, even though I did pick him to win last week, so maybe I just I, I maybe my disdain for the Browns as a Steelers fan is greater than my disdain for Baker Mayfield. But in this matchup, it's no longer an issue. I could just pick straight up against Baker Mayfield, and I do have the Giants uh, like you do, Eric. I do have the Giants both covering this two and a half points and then winning the game straight up. Just Brendan, for fun, just for fun, would you pick uh, or who do you think? Or more, okay, let's let's go with, uh, do you think Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley both will have a good game? Or, like, kind of show everything they have in store for us in this in this Panthers versus Giants matchup? Or do you think one of them is going to get a little more stifled here? I'm still waiting to see what Christian McCaffrey's role is with Baker Mayfield. Because he only had, I believe, 10 carries last week against the Browns. And wasn't extremely involved in the passing game and we know that christian mccaffrey is one of the better receivers out of the backfield in the nfl and so i don't know if it's just a fact of matt rule saw something else that he liked against cleveland and that's why he sort of went away from his star running back i don't know if they're doing this to protect him but just given the evidence we have from one game i'm not confident in a big game from mccaffrey I would be a lot more confident in a big game from Saquon Barkley because I think Brian Dable, A, recognizes that Saquon Barkley is healthy for the first time in a long time, but also I think he recognizes that getting Saquon Barkley as many touches as he can reasonably handle, especially in creative ways, is the best way for the Giants to be competitive this year. Yeah, I mean, Saquon definitely has the opportunity to run against this Panthers team that allowed... I mean, almost 200 yards on the ground against Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I think Christian McCaffrey is an interesting debate because in fantasy-wise, he was a consensus, at least number two pick, maybe 1.5, sometimes going number one overall. Saquon Barkley was going somewhere in the second round, sometimes even dropping to the latter half of the second round, early third round. And now, after one game, Saquon Barkley's stock has shot up, and Christian McCaffrey 
there might be some concerns uh, coming out there uh, with the questions coming from Baker Mayfield and what we saw in the first game. So that, that's why I was kind of asking the question. So it's, I, I think it's something curious to monitor, particularly after the second week. I think there'll be a lot more to talk about. Yeah, and, and I think just for me, the one number that stands out is Christian McCaffrey had 14 touches against Cleveland. Saquon Barkley had 24 touches against Tennessee. I don't know if that's the same numbers that we're going to see this week, but because of those numbers last week, I am much more confident about a a big Saquon Barkley performance again than I would be about saying both are going to really break out this week. But again, we'll see. We'll see how that one plays out. Now, taking our it, well, talents... Well, I know you're going to talk about Brendan's picks before, and I kind of cut you off. Brendan's going to go with the Panthers with the spread and, and the Panthers straight up. So he's a lot more confident than Christian McCaffrey, Baker Mayfield, DJ Moore, etc. So uh, nice to have a split there. Worth noting that Brendan is a Christian McCaffrey owner yep, in our shared fantasy league. So, uh, you know, take that with take that what you will and you know, take that and do with it what you will is what <laughs> I meant to say. Uh, so... Moving on, though, to a AFC matchup and the AFC matchup that I am most excited for this week, and that is the Patriots coming to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Uh, Patriots 0-1 after losing to the Dolphins. Steelers want to know after that overtime thriller against the Bengals. And this is another one where Brendan is sort of just doing his own thing and has the Patriots winning both against the spread and straight up, Eric, you and I are on the Steelers, and to me, this was a simple case of, I don't like the New England skill players, I like the Steelers skill players. There is certainly a lack of really strong quarterback play for both of these teams right now. Mac Jones is banged up, Mitch Trubisky looked very pedestrian in week one, but there's enough going for me with skill players like Najee Harris, who is going to play in this one, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, Friar Muth. And when I go through the Patriots roster, I just don't see a lot of really wow players. And so both teams strong on defense. Uh, Pittsburgh, obviously, without TJ Watt. But even still, I think it's enough for the Steelers to win and to cover. Yeah, for me, I thought this was almost a smash Steelers play, but it sounds like Vegas is on the other side and so is Brendan. Uh, the line has started from uh, Patriots giving away a point to Patriots now giving away two and a half points, uh, probably from the news about TJ Watt and actually being out for a duration. So that might change the dynamic on the defensive side of the ball. I also have concerns like you for the offensive side of the ball, particularly in the offensive line. Uh, Najee didn't look that hot and we I think we were hoping a lot more from the offensive line last week for the Steelers and the Patriots have always had a good defense coached up by Bill Belichick so the Patriots always have a chance to be within games but my biggest concern is the Patriots offense Mac Jones doesn't look like he's going to be the leader we talked about this in the recap and uh, possibly even the season preview I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember but I think the Patriots have looked very discombobulated in offense. I don't think they know what they want to do. They wanted to get the ball a lot to Ty Montgomery, kind of in the James White role uh, since James White retired. But now Ty Montgomery's out uh, for a long duration. And now they're leaning on Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. Obviously a lot of talent, but I think they're still up in the air about how this offense wants to be coordinated. So 
with the Steelers pedigree on the defensive side of the ball, even without TJ Watt, I think the Steelers playing at home are going to be well good enough to shut down this Patriots team. It's going to be a lot on the Steelers offense to just not screw it up. Just don't turn the ball over, keep time of possession. I think the Steelers are going to be just fine in winning this game. And I'm going to take the points and the Steelers to win straight up here. Yeah. No, I, I think that's everything you said very well said. Uh, we'll see if Brendan's able to join us in the week to recap, if he can uh, maybe defend himself or if he, again, is just going to have to wear some egg on his face for this one. Now, moving into another all-AFC matchup, this time all in the AFC South. We have the Colts traveling to Jacksonville. Colts coming off a tie. Jacksonville coming off of a loss to the Commanders. And this one was a little surprising to me. Clearly, you and Brendan liked what you saw even in that loss to the Commanders enough to say, okay, Jacksonville plus four that seems like a good pick to me. And Eric, you're going all the way and saying, forget the spread. I'm just taking the Jags to win. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing every year for a while now. We're having the Jaguars playing at home versus the Indianapolis Colts. And the Jaguars always sneak out a win. I, I believe, we talked about this last year. And now I'm blanking on the total. But uh, every time they play in Jacksonville, the Jaguars have been able to cover. And I believe sneak out with a win here. Uh, I think... Yeah, I'm looking through 2021, 2020, 2019. The Jaguars have made him sneak it out, even with the Colts being a better team consensus-wise. I think the Jaguars have shown notable improvement since the teams that we've seen over the past two, three years. Uh, and this is the best time for the Jaguars to actually capitalize on this. Playing at home against a Colts team that lost, or, or at least has Michael Pittman out for this week. So the top wide receiver for Matt Ryan is out. We have to see where Matt Ryan has to go. Obviously, they still have Jonathan Taylor to kind of dominate the Jaguars on the ground. But I think the Jaguars have some stability with Doug Peterson at the helm. Trevor Lawrence hopefully takes a deep breath and gives the balls to a lot of weapons that I love to see out of Travis Etienne. Uh, James Robinson is fully healthy, seen, uh, coming, back from the, coming back from an Achilles injury. Uh, excellent wide receivers on the outside, whether it be Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, uh, Marvin Jones, these are great options for Trevor Lawrence, and I think they're good enough to win against this Colts team that didn't impress against a Houston team last week and point out a tie. So the, I think the Colts could start 0-1-1 in this division this year. Yeah, and that, that would certainly be a surprise considering I think they were the favorites to win this division by many, and starting out 0-1-1 within the division would be really startling i don't think it's going to happen i think that the colts are the better team i think that trevor lawrence is still while improving there's no doubt about that i think trevor lawrence still has a little bit of ways to go until i can just say yeah he's enough of a reason to pick the jaguars and so because of that because of matt ryan you're right he is going to have to adjust with michael Pittman banged up um but I think there's still enough there where the Colts can not only win this game, but win by a touchdown and cover this spread. I am in the minority in thinking that the Colts are going to win both outright and uh, against the spread. Brendan is with you in that he thinks this game is going to be more so of a field goal game where the Colts just kind of squeak one out. But I think there's enough veteran savvy from this Colts roster 
And I think Jonathan Taylor is enough of a difference maker where the Colts come out, they win by a touchdown, and they cover that line. Well, I think well, Brendan is with you for straight up. He's he's yes. thinking the Colts are going to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So looking at that field goal is is right there. So Brendan still has confidence in this Colts team. I think both of you picked the Colts to win the divisions as well. So I, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So it makes sense. I'm I had them missing the the playoffs. So I think this will be a I guess a pivotal game against a divisional rival in the Jaguars. Absolutely, super pivotal. Another one that should be I think a really fun watch. Now, going from one projected division winner in the AFC to another projected division winner, and that's me, the Ravens, uh, welcoming the Dolphins to Baltimore. Ravens coming off of a win in New York. Dolphins coming off of a win at home against the Patriots. Uh, I think both teams pretty much following the game plan, executing pretty well in both of those wins. They got uh, what they wanted out of a lot of their skill position players on offense, and played good enough defense for the most part to come away with some easy wins. I don't think life is going to be as easy for the Dolphins this week. I think the Ravens have a bad taste in their mouth after really getting blitzed out of the game last year in this same matchup in Miami. I think now that it is in Baltimore, now that Lamar Jackson, I think, is going to be more prepared for what the Dolphins are going to throw at him, which is a lot of pressure, a lot of blitzing. And I expect the Ravens, as three-and-a-half-point favorites, so they're laying three-and-a-half in this game, I expect them to not only win but cover. I, I love it. I mean, I also have the Ram, the Ravens to win. I think Lamar Jackson's still a much better talent than Tua will ever be. I think the Ravens team are, is going to confuse the Dolphins a lot. However, I think I would want to put more uh, optimism on the Dolphins' defense. I think J.K. Dobbins is coming back, so I think that's going to be a big plus for the Ravens. I, I want him healthy, and I hope he's healthy, but they might bring him in a little slowly in this game. So I think there's going to be some miscommunication on the, on, the, on the rushing side of the ball for the Ravens team that they want to focus on. I think the touchdowns from Devin Duvernay last week were a little fluky. Maybe he'll show me wrong. They didn't really pass the ball much to Rashad Bateman. I'm curious to see if the Ravens are going to do well in the passing game. Maybe they don't need to, but I think they might need to uh, for this type of game. So for that reason, I think the Dolphins are going to keep this game close because I think there's going to be a lot of adjustment that the Ravens are going to need to do to play well against the Dolphins. So I'm having the Dolphins keeping this game close, taking the three and a half points, but the Ravens sweeping out a win here. Yeah, and it definitely feels like this could be a game where whoever tackles worse, whoever you know isn't good in space, uh, is going to win the game. The other team's going to win the game, I mean. Because you have both of these teams that I think are relying not necessarily on big plays downfield, but more so using speed sideline to sideline on offense to their advantage. Obviously, with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and then having a quarterback like Tua, who excels more in the short to intermediate game than deep downfield, they're looking to create opportunities for catch-and-run scenarios. With Baltimore, it's more so of... They want to run to the outside. They want to get their running backs and then Lamar Jackson in space when running the ball and then sort of work the middle of the field uh, in the passing game. And so whichever team is, I think, more sure tackling in this game, able to sort of make those plays in space, I think that's the one that ends up 
coming out the victor. And for me, I think that's the Ravens. For me, I think the Ravens and Lamar Jackson are plenty motivated to come out and really show that they belong in the conversation with the Bills, the Chargers, the Chiefs of the world in the AFC. And I think that's enough to get it done and, like I said, cover this spread against Miami. I love it. I mean, these different styles are what presents great discussions for us uh, spectators and us betters. It looks like Brendan's right. Uh, kind of also splitting the line here. He's taking the Dolphins with the spread and then the Ravens straight up. So we're all on the Ravens straight up. I think we're all pretty confident in the Ravens. We'll just see, have to see how close it is. Uh, so it'll definitely be another interesting game from a spread perspective watching this game. Absolutely. It could be close. Could be... Yeah. In my mind, there, there's two options. It's a close game either that goes one of the two ways or it's a Ravens blowout. I don't... Not, or not blowout, but, you know, 10-point, 14-point win. Uh... I don't see a I don't see a way where the Dolphins come out here and just blow the doors off the Ravens. That would to me be very surprising. Um, but again, we'll see. We'll see. Absolutely, should be a fun game to watch either way. Now, a game where I do expect that there might be a blowout. In fact, it's what I'm going to be betting on, and that is Falcons at Rams. For me, this is one where. You see the line the Rams have as 10.5-point favorites, and normally that's an automatic, okay, I'm going to take the Falcons and the points. I'm going to take the Falcons and the points because you just don't see a lot of big lines that end up coming good for the favorite. That being said, I think the Rams want to, need to, just play better and show a lot more than they did week one against Buffalo. I think the Falcons are the perfect get right game for them. And for that reason, I'm willing to lay the 10 and a half points, take the Rams and and obviously then also take them straight up. This is 100% a get right game for the Rams. They need to get it back together after a Super Bowl win, after a disappointing loss against the Bills, absolutely blown out. Uh, hopefully Matthew Stafford gets some adjustments and from a fantasy perspective, hopefully it gets Allen Robinson involved. We'll see if Cam Akers gets more involved. Sounds like uh, Sean McVay isn't a really big fan of Cam Akers coming out of the back right now. He's a big fan of Daryl Henderson. But I think there's a lot of fluctuations on the offensive side of the ball, and we'll have to see if they make the adjustments. Van Jefferson also is ruled out for this game. So uh, there's a lot on the offensive side of the ball that we would want to see the Rams get right. Luckily, they're at home, so they don't need to travel in their get-right game. However, I'm leaning toward the Falcons as a uh, year-in and year-out, or sorry, not year-in and year-out, but this year in particular, they're going to cover the spread a lot. They're, they're going to be underdog, underdogs basically throughout the year from my perspective. But I think uh, Marcus Mariota is able to keep games close and entertaining. They have a lot of weapons, Cal Pitts, Drake, London, Cordell Patterson. I think this is going to be an interesting uh, game for the Falcons and being able to uh, score on offensive side of the ball and also kind of keep up with the adjustments that the Rams are going to make. And I think there's going to be some growing pains for the Rams as well for whatever reason, even though they're coming off the Super Bowl. So I think for that reason, I'm going to take the points that the Rams are giving and say the Falcons are going to keep this within 10 points and... However, I think the Rams do get right, and the Rams pull out a win here. Now, this is, I think, the game, most of all, where I wish Brendan was here on on the podcast to talk about this today. Because he has the Falcons not only covering, which, again, a reasonable pick, but winning straight up. 
And that would be a real gut punch for the Rams if they come out here defending Super Bowl champions and go 0 2. All right, you understand the loss of the Bills, but a loss at home to the Falcons? I just don't get it. Really wish Brendan was here. And it's another one where hopefully we're going to have him available uh, on the recap for week two. And we can say, okay, man, you had this game picked this way. Maybe it happens that way. And then we can sort of get his thought process there. Or it could just be another one where we're like, what were you doing? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you saw a lot more from this Falcons team against the Saints having the lead, but then still blowing it. Maybe he thinks there's a lot more optimism for the Falcons. But yeah, I, I completely agree. There's, It's going to be tough to project the Falcons to win this type of game here. In, in L.A., no less. Yeah, yeah really tough to to see any way that they actually pull that one out but that's why they play the game so we'll we'll circle back next week and have a nice discussion about that one now staying in the nfc west we have an all nfc west matchup another big line this is seahawks at 49ers 49ers eight and a half point favorites we're all on the 49ers to win straight up no real surprise there eric you're the only one who has the seahawks covering so I want to hear from you why you think this is a, a good cover opportunity for Seattle. Yeah, I think there's a lot of optimism coming from the uh, game played versus the Broncos for the Seahawks. I think they have a lot of optimism on the defensive side of the ball. We'll have to see if they get more aggressive on the offensive side of the ball. They didn't really seem to push the ball out down the field. Geno Smith was very conservative for the most part, but they did what they needed to do. Uh, I'm not picking the the Seahawks to outright win this game, but if you're giving me eight and a half points on a division rival uh, versus a, a uh, 49ers team that still has, from my perspective, a raw talent at quarterback in Trey Lance. I mean, I'm the one of the three of us that is most down on Trey Lance. And given last week, we didn't see most out of Trey Lance due to the monsoon that was in Chicago. I will also say that I think uh, news uh, being presented for, for football side seems to present that there is going to be more weather concerns for this 49ers game in Santa Clara. So maybe playing in the rain might not be the best thing for Trey Lance. But regardless, I think that is another reason why the Seahawks may keep this game low scoring and close rather than a 49ers blowing the roof off with the eight points that they're they're giving away here. Look at Eric, the meteorologist, looking into the Santa Clara weather forecast. Indeed, expecting raid in that one. For me, I think this is a lot harder um, of a sell on the spread than the Rams game. I, I do have concerns for this 49ers offense, not just Trey Lance. They obviously lost Elijah Mitchell to injury last week, uh, and then they had to use sort of a backfield by committee. Um, most of the carries getting split between Debo Samuel, who they brought back into the backfield, and then Jeff Wilson Jr., who stands to be the starting running back this week against Seattle. But I think we're going to see a better San Francisco offense. I believe in the Kyle Shanahan offense. I believe in the fit of these pieces in the Kyle Shanahan offense. I think we're going to see more involvement from Debo Samuel as a wide receiver, which I think should provide a bigger upside for this San Francisco 49ers 
passing game. And so I'm just going to stick to my guns, believe in the 49ers and the way they play football and believe that they're going to bounce back and get, you know, 10 point wins somewhere in that area. Yeah, it looks like George Kittle, who was ruled out last game in Chicago, is looked like projected to play in this upcoming game. Uh, George Kittle is still questionable on the injury report, but he might open up the field more for all those wide receivers they're talking about, including uh, Debo Samuel. So that's another positive for the 49ers. Looks like Brendan is right along with you in taking the 49ers in the spread and straight up. So I think it's just interesting that the Seahawks may keep this game close. So we'll, we'll have to see what comes. Actually, now I'm just realizing it. Seattle was the only team in the NFC West that won last week. They're they're leading the division right now, so maybe I should put. They some, are. We should we should put some uh, stock into that. <laughs> put some respect on their <laughs> yeah, names. Yeah, there you go. maybe. <laughs> no. uh, we'll see. We'll see. Let's go. Let's go see them earn some some of that respect, and then talk about it in week three or or on the recap show. Now, let's move to this next one. And to me, I don't know that there's a lot to talk about here in Bengals Cowboys. The Bengals certainly motivated uh, after that not very pretty performance against the Steelers uh, game they really let slip away the Cowboys are starting Cooper Rush at quarterback and to me Bengals minus seven it could be Bengals minus 10 and I think I'd probably still take the Bengals both with the spread and straight up here um, because I just don't expect the Cowboys especially in week one of the Cooper Rush era this season to really put up much of a fight. Yeah, Cowboys have a backup quarterback leading the charge, and Joe Burrow needs a get-right game after turning the ball over five times. So definitely Bengals on both sides, spread and straight up. Looks like Brendan's taking the Cowboys with a spread, given it is a big spread with a full touchdown, uh, but still taking the Bengals straight up. I'm, I'm curious, though, John, who do you think has a bigger game relatively with respect to the position, Cooper Rush or Ezekiel Elliott for the Cowboys? I think the smart pick or, or sort of the the galaxy brain pick is Cooper Rush because you mm. gotta figure that the Cowboy or the um Bengals, excuse me, are gonna sell out to stop Zeke. Mm-hmm. And with that being the case, you know, Cooper Rush has come in before for the Cowboys when Dak's been hurt and has guided them to victories. I don't expect that to be the case here, but my point is is that he's not a complete dud at quarterback. He's not a Nathan Peterman or, or you know, that like uh, at quarterback. And so I think if Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore can, you know, squash their beef and get on the same page offensively, I think there's a chance that the Bengals come out here looking to really stop the run and that they may find some success, not a lot of success, but some success in trying to counter those looks and get guys like CeeDee Lamb or Tony Pollard in space in the passing game. All right. I'm excited to see what the Cowboys are going to present on offense. Maybe it'll be Cooper Rush show. Maybe it'll be a disaster. Maybe Ezekiel is back in the form. But I think there's a lot of intrigue there. Playing in Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then another one, big spread moving on, uh, is Texans at Broncos. Broncos currently 11-point favorites. And to me, this is a pretty easy pick, and we're all in the same boat. And that is Broncos to win, but Texans to cover. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's much to say here. The week one results pretty easily back up a Texans cover, but a Broncos win. Yep, close game. We'll have to see if Russell Wilson can write the ship. But 
All on Texans for the spread and all on Broncos straight up. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so moving to a game where there is a little bit more division amongst the hosts of this podcast, and that is Cardinals at Raiders. Both of these teams coming off losses in week one. Cardinals getting pretty thoroughly embarrassed by the Chiefs. Raiders just squeaking by or squeaking, failing to squeak by, I should say, I guess, against the Chargers. And maybe going a little bit in a, in a different direction than those week one results would indicate. Uh, Eric, is, you are on the Raiders, but Brendan and I are, are on the Cardinals taking the five and a half points and taking them to win straight up. I understand the spread pick. I'm a little surprised you guys are both taking the Cardinals straight up. I, I thought someone else would be with me for the Raiders uh, to win straight up at least. But I think the Raiders are going to blow out this Cardinals team just like the Chiefs did last week and the Raiders to win straight up. I think the Raiders offense is good. I, I think the Raiders offense is definitely good enough to capitalize on a weak Cardinals defense this year. And I don't think the Cardinals are going to keep pace. So that's why I'm riding the Raiders this week. Yeah, this one was definitely more of a, there has to be a surprise somewhere. And so I think the Cardinals, even with the lack of DeAndre Hopkins, I think there's enough offensive firepower there. And I think there's enough sort of magic in Kyler Murray, potentially, for them to come out and be the surprise pick in week two. And for that reason, I took the Cardinals both with the spread and straight up. I mean, it's worth knowing that Rondell Moore is out again this week, I believe, uh, to some legacy. So you're relying a lot on A.J. Green, Marquise Brown, and Greg Dortch, who led the receiving core last week. So I, I don't have as much optimism as you guys, so I, I'm surprised again. But yeah, let's, let's see how this game rolls out, because it's definitely an interesting game out in the desert. Absolutely. And then a couple of uh, 10 point spreads in the next two games we'll start with bears at packers and we are all on the packers both to win straight up and cover the 10 points and i have to believe because this is where my head was at when i made this pick is that we just believe that aaron Rodgers is not going to allow this packers offense to come out and struggle two weeks in a row and so with that the case, with Matt LaFleur being the head coach, being offensive-minded, you got to figure the the Packers are going to improve in this one and improve enough, I guess, to cover that 10-point spread. Yeah, I mean, the Bears have not been able to beat this Packers team in prime time for a number of years. I believe since 2018 is what I last read, which was, I believe, a uh, Brett Favre returning to Green Bay game. Um, I guess particularly in Green Bay. Um, so that was interesting So to read. Uh, but, yeah, I think we're all in the Packers here. And uh, hopefully I'm rooting for the Bears to keep this game close, maybe pull a game out, see some things out of Justin Fields. But, yeah, it's all on the Packers here. And then one where, again, another 10-point spread. This is Titans at Bills. And what surprised me here is not the fact that we're all on the Bills to win straight up. But the fact that I am the only one of us on the Bills to cover this 10-point spread. I feel more confident about the Bills covering this 10-point spread against the Titans than I do the Packers covering this 10, the 10-point 10 spread against the Bears. Because the Titans looked very mediocre against the Giants, and the Bills looked like the freaking Monstars week one against the Rams. And so... I, 
you know, maybe I'm wrong. Obviously, Mike Vrabel is a good head coach. Obviously, there is some talent on this Tennessee team. But to me, this was an easy Bills win, Bills cover. It's definitely fair to say in line with the season preview that you're believing that the Titans are taking a step back and you didn't gain as much confidence in them at all from last week's game against the Giants. However, this is still last year's number one overall seed that the Buffalo Bills need to dethrone. Uh, that's why I'm picking the Bills straight up because I do think they're the better team. However, this is still a Titans team that did beat the Bills last week, sorry, last year when they matched up 34-31, to where Derrick Henry rushed for 143 yards. So I think if they unleash Derrick Henry in this game for the Titans, they'll definitely keep this game within 10 points. All the more reason for the Bills to come out and just try to pound them into the dirt because they're mad about last season. I, th- I I think this is a pretty easy one to pick in my mind. But again, we'll see. And it, worth noting that that Bills-Titans game is the first of two Monday night games across ESPN and ABC. A little bit of a different flavor here for Monday nights this year in the NFL as we have a doubleheader uh Titans at Bills, and then our last game on the schedule this week, Eric, Vikings at Eagles. Eagles, one-and-a-half-point favorites, and I want to hear from you about this game because you are the lone wolf in this one. You are the lone wolf when it comes to Vikings at Eagles. What do you see in this game that has you picking the way you do? I, I love this game. I, I love that both of these Monday night games are absolute top-tier teams from my perspective. And for this Vikings-Eagles team uh, game matchup, they're both up-and-coming teams with a reloaded offense. We saw a lot of A.J. Brown on the Eagles side of the ball, but I love what I see out of the Vikings and what they were able to do against the Packers last week. I think they have good enough defense to slow down the uh, the Eagles team and what they want to do out of the run. And then what we saw out of the Lions last week, they put up 35 points against this Eagles team, and I had to believe that a team with Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen can do much better than what the Lions did last week. So that's why I have a lot more confidence in the Vikings to win a Monday Night Football. I think one of the biggest concerns maybe is Kirk Cousins not showing up in primetime, but I would believe in a reloaded offense for the Vikings to uh, take care of business against this Eagles team that still has questions in Jalen Hurts from my perspective. Yeah, and to me, uh, so this is a one and a half point spread, which to me is just like, okay, this is a pick 'em. Like the spread, not really likely to matter unless you think it's going to be a one point victory, one way or the other. To me, two things. You talked about Kirk Cousins on prime time. I still have doubts that he can, you know, do his thing on the biggest stage. Yes, having Justin Jefferson as your sort of security blanket is a really big help there, but I still have doubts. And the other thing is, is I would like to believe that this Eagles team is better than what we saw against the Lions in week one. And the Vikings, no doubt, are a better team than the Lions are. And so it's reasonable to say that, okay, the Eagles are going to struggle more against the Vikings than they did against the Lions. And if they struggle any more than they did against the Lions, that means the other team's going to win because the margin of victory in that game was only three points. But I think the Eagles, we see a better performance at home in Philadelphia in prime time. I think we see a better defensive performance in particular. And I think we see enough pressure put on Kirk Cousins that he's 
forced into those mistakes that he often makes in these big primetime games. And the fact that he does have star level or in Justin Jefferson's case, superstar level talent around him isn't going to be enough for the Vikings to come out with a win. I love it. This is that's great uh, analysis for definitely a pick'em game. So I'm excited for this game, all, all Monday night games, and I think it will definitely be fun to watch with both you and Brendan on the Eagles and me on the Vikings. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So that does finish our previews of the NFL, the the real life NFL. But we will get into some fantasy stuff. And before we talk about some interesting start sit decisions that we have for Week Two, Eric, I just want to ask. Was there anything that really stood out from your team or just from around the entire fantasy landscape in that week one for you? Um, for week one, I think it's just uh, just interesting discussions about who people are thinking about cutting loose. For example, Cam Akers, people are panicking about with good reason. I think Robert Woods is one that's a big discussion coming off an ACL injury for the Titans team, whether he's going to be coming back, and now he's a difficult matchup against the Buffalo Bills. So I think he's a lot of edge players that might be on the fringe of getting cut I think are definitely worth discussing uh, or worth analyzing about whether we should keep them around or maybe it's just time to cut early Um, otherwise I mean I won my matchup in the first week uh, and I'm pretty happy about that I think John you also outscored me um, in your own matchup as well so I think we're starting off 1-0 but I think Brendan's starting off 0-1 and I believe you guys are facing off this week, is that right? That's correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brendan and I face off. Like you said, Eric and my team both went 1-0 in the first week. Brendan got caught with some bad luck, didn't really have a very high-performing day from his team in Week 1. And so he's coming into a matchup against me, uh, 0-1. Uh, I really, really want to put him at 0-2 because I really like my team now. His team is definitely stronger than what they showed in week one, but I'd really like to put him, uh, uh, you know, behind that eight ball, proverbially speaking, uh, and get the win. Like you said, a lot of slow starts for players in fantasy. Um, For me, I just want to see if Josh Allen can continue to be Superman Uh, because Josh Allen, I think, was the biggest surprise for my team in terms of players I didn't really expect to be on my roster. And he ended up, I think, being the difference in me being able to get a big win in week one. And I think with the one-two punch on my team of Josh Allen and Jonathan Taylor, if Josh Allen can continue to be Superman, can continue to hover close to like 30 fantasy points a game, which obviously is a huge ask, but I think he and this Buffalo team are capable of, uh, you know, rising to that challenge. I think my team's going to be really hard to beat. And then I also mentioned it earlier, Debo Samuel, not really involved as a wide receiver in week one. I'm interested to see how that progresses from a fantasy perspective moving throughout the year. I think I think Brendan's roster really accentuates a lot of the concerns that might arise, particularly if he loses this upcoming week to you. Uh, these uh, teams that are or players that might not... Uh, be what he needs to elevate his team, whether it be Marquise Brown, Allen Robertson, Hunter Renfro. These are wide receivers that he all started. You and Mark Andrews, you said, uh, I believe, off offline that you were a little uh, not as high on Mark Andrews this year. So maybe he's not going to get enough points. I'm curious to see how Brendan's going to respond next week. And maybe when he'll join us, he'll be able to discuss it. Yeah, a lot of things to talk about with Brendan when he comes back. Um, but we do have some interesting starts at decisions here. Uh, I'll throw it to you first, Eric, on this one. 
because this is one on my roster. Uh, this is James Robinson, who I currently have in my flex spot. Or another option I have for that flex spot is J.K. Dobbins, who is set to make his season debut against the Dolphins. Is there one of those two guys that really stands out to you in that decision? It's tough because J.K. Dobbins definitely has the plus matchup, I think, against the Dolphins team and on a team that definitely likes to run. Um, However, I think I'm going to run with James Robinson, and I'm the person who's picking the Jaguars to win. So I'm expecting some someone to shine from the Jaguars. I think it definitely could be James Robinson. That's why I'm leaning toward James Robinson. I would in the future I'll probably start JK Dobbins a lot more often over James Robinson. However, coming off an ACL or like basically he blew up his knee from what I'm hearing for JK Dobbins, I would definitely be a lot more cautious about starting JK Dobbins this week in a tough matchup against Brendan. Yeah, and I think that's the way I'm leaning if I'm being honest, just because Two things. I, I want to prove it game from J.K. Dobbins before I actually put him in the lineup. And so that's why I think I'm going to hold off this week. The other thing is I just can't seem to get away from James Robinson. And I mean that in a good way because I had James Robinson as a rookie. I picked him up off the waiver wire and he really changed the dynamic of my team. I was, this was in a keeper league. I was all set to let James Robinson go. And then the Travis Etienne injury happens. And I'm like, okay, there's no way I can let him go now. I need to have him as one of my keepers. And then I had no plans of James Robinson being part of any of my fantasy teams this year. But lo and behold, I needed a depth running back and he was just staring me in the face. And so he's back for year three on one of my fantasy teams. And so I just can't seemingly bet against this guy because he's been pretty good to me over the years. And so for that reason, I'm going to give him the start after he showed uh, to have a much bigger role than I anticipated in week one. And yeah, we're going to roll with him while we wait to see uh, if J.K. Dobbins can come out and prove to be the player that we expect. Yeah, I love it. Uh, let's move on to your next one you have here, John. I see, I'm seeing Julio Jones. I, I believe this is all Brendan's roster uh, versus the Saints, and then versus Allen Robinson, who struggled last week, only had one reception versus the Bills, playing against the Falcons this week in what you call a get-right game for the Rams. Yeah, and this on? is this is a really interesting decision. Worth noting that Julio Jones was basically wide receiver number two last week for Tampa Bay with Chris Godwin getting banged up early in that game. Chris Godwin not really expected to play, or even if he does, to play a big part for the Bucks this week. And then on the other hand, you have Allen Robinson, who was expected to sort of take the targets that Odell Beckham was getting last year for the Rams and be that number two in this offense and then showed nothing. And I think... Because I picked the Bucks to win that Saints game, I think I have to side with Julio Jones here because I don't know if it's a lack of chemistry from Matt uh, Thafford and Allen Robinson or just maybe Allen Robinson is not as explosive as Odell Beckham and so he's not getting into the same spaces that Odell Beckham was getting into last year. But Allen Robinson was basically non-existent against the Bills Obviously, the Rams have a much better matchup this week. But again, if I'm trying to mitigate risk, what I saw from week one was that Julio Jones is going to get involved plenty in this Bucks offense. 
and that Allen Robinson's role in this Rams offense is really yet to be defined. And so I'm going to roll with Julio Jones. Yeah, I'm hoping Julio Jones is completely healthy because I think it'll be fun to see. But again, I guess I'm rolling the Saints here. On like, So it's kind of different from how you're seeing this game. So I don't think there's going to be as high scoring for the Buccaneers. I'm curious to see who Marcus Lattimore is going to line up against. Probably against Mike Evans, but maybe he'll be able to uh, cover Julio Jones as well. I think that might influence it as to who has a bigger game for this Buccaneers team. Uh, so there's a lot of questions. So that's why I'm leaning toward Allen Robinson. He hasn't shown much for the past year at all. But I think, like you said, it's a get-right game for the Falcons. I think they need Allen Robinson to be very involved to get more, I mean, yards, points, and wins. Uh, they, they need a wide receiver, too, to, to I mean, to complement Cooper Cup. So I think this is going to be a perfect game for them to do it. That's why I'm going to have faith in Allen Robinson to do it in this week, too. Yeah, and that's a very fair pick. All right. Then moving on to the last start set decision of the week, and this is one not from your roster, Eric, but from your opponent's roster this week. It's one that I thought was really interesting. We have Cordero Patterson on that other side of the Falcons-Rams matchup at running back, and then we have Devin Singletary, who definitely was the featured back for Buffalo in week one against the Rams. They're taking on the Titans Eric, which way would you go if you were this owner with this decision? I'll go Cordell Patterson here. I think the Falcons are going to need to put up a lot of points. They're going to need a dynamic playmaker, and that's going to be Cordell Patterson. Uh, Damian Williams, their second running back for the Atlanta Falcons, is injured. So we might see a little out of their rookie running back, uh, Al Gear. Um, but I think... For that reason, it's going to be a lot of quarter Patterson is what we're going to see. I like that Devin Singletary and what we saw out of the kickoff game last week, but it seems like they didn't give him as much volume as we would want considering how he showed up. Yeah, and for me, it's the same thinking. I think we're I'm on the same page again once... I'm on the same page once again with you on this third pick. Last week we were both on Zeke. This week I'm going to be on Cordero Patterson as well just because I think Cordero Patterson is the Falcons' primary playmaker of any of their skill position players. And while I liked the role that Devin Singletary had last week, I think Devin Singletary is more consistently startable in fantasy than he ever has been uh, with his time with the Bills. But I just don't see him with the likes of... Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs and Isaiah McKenzie and Dawson Knox. And then if James Cook is going to get more involved or if um, Zach Moss is going to get more involved, maybe also out of the backfield for Buffalo, I just don't see a way where I can be confident of the touches that Devin Singletary is going to get. And so for that reason, I will roll with Patterson as well. I like it. These are excellent uh, start synthesis. I'm curious to see which way they're going to roll. Um, after I started, I believe, 0-3 last week. So hopefully I can turn it around. Hopefully, Eric. Hopefully you are coming out a little bit hotter this week in your start sits. But we will see in our Week 2 preview episode. And now we're going to close things out as we always do with our spinning of the wheel. Uh, because Brendan's not here, uh, we are not going to do a live spinning. We did spin beforehand. Brendan was first up this week. And he did end up with Texans at Broncos, which he took at the under in that game, 45 and a half points at minus 110 odds. Then I was next. I landed on 
Dolphins versus Ravens, which I was pretty excited about because I'm pretty excited to see the Ravens against better competition than they had last week against the Jets. Uh, and because I'm pretty high on the Ravens in this one, and because I expect them to start out pretty strong, um, the same way they started out pretty strong against the Jets, I'm going to go over one and a half touchdowns for the Ravens in the first half, and that comes in at plus 120 odds. Eric, please tell us about your pick. Your spin landed on Cardinals Raiders. What were you thinking here? Yeah, I, I promised our viewers that I would come back to plus odds last week so that's what i'm looking through i almost took a kicking prop i'm a big fan of daniel carson maybe get some points in this game but however i lean the other way i think uh based on what i heard for the, the cardinals and your guys' confidence in it and also my anticipation that the raiders are going to lead and the cardinals going to need to throw a lot and randall moore being out i'm going to roll with greg dorch over four and a half receptions at plus 130 who had seven receptions last week so i pretty confident he's going to get more than four and a half this week so i think i need to repeat what i said uh when we were talking about this before the show and we were looking over some odds and everything like that i didn't know who greg dorch is slash was uh i saw this odds the 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 sort of receiving prop odds for the cardinals and i was like greg dorch is that like a fullback or somebody to the the cardinals have a running back i'm not familiar with but no greg dorch is a wide receiver greg dorch did lead the cardinals with seven receptions uh in week one so i, I think that's a pretty spicy pick because i do expect a lot of throwing out of the cardinals uh even though i expect them to win i, I think throwing the ball against this raiders is going to this raiders defense is going to be the way to do it and so as we punch all of our odds into a nice parlay calculator and see what we come out with. And do Eric, this is this is a pretty big one. This is definitely bigger than what we had last week, where we all had minus odds last week. So we're chucking in a few more plus odds this week and coming out to a plus 866 total. And so that's pretty spicy. And if we're able to hit, we start out this season in pretty good shape. I'm liking it. I'm excited. I'm I'm ready to celebrate Greg Dortch and help and him helping us get this plus eighty eight plus eight sixty six and over the line for the spin the wheel. Yeah, absolutely. And we are also excited just to tune in for another week of NFL football. Um, we are happy that everyone who's listened up to this point has tuned in for the week two preview episode to line them up. Be keeping a lookout because we will be right back early next week with that week to recap but other than that i think i'm just ready for some football eric thank you as always for joining me and uh for all these listeners out there just make sure you're giving us a follow not only on your favorite podcast app but on social media instagram and twitter both at line em up pod thanks everyone have a good one